If you just go where you're called to be, literally everything is resolved. The problems that I had then, I still have them, but they're so minuscule in comparison to what they were before because I don't have to worry about trying to rely on myself in my creative process. I'll start, give it to God, and keep it pushing. Welcome to Created Creative. I'm Dawn, and I'm doing the intro alone again this week because Ruth and I were both traveling last week and we never connected. You may know that Ruth was in Belize hosting a trip called Consecrate Out of the Box. So she had a whole group of women leaders from across denominations. The trip looked amazing on Instagram, so we will hear more about that next week. And I was in New Orleans for the ELCA Children, Youth, and Family Ministry Extravaganza. <laughs> that is a gathering I have attended for many, many years. This year, I was an exhibitor. I actually had people come to a little game at my exhibit booth. This three-minute dream challenge where they could share a dream. And within three minutes, we would either clarify it or find a first action step. And then we took a photo. So it was kind of a fun little game. And led into, if you want to make it, really have action steps behind it and have someone hold you accountable and be in a community of other people moving toward their holy imagination, making it real. That's what we do in Discern by Doing, which is my six-month online community. The next group starts in February. If by any chance that happens to fit your needs, if you're feeling just a little nudge of the Holy Spirit, go to discernbydoing.com to learn more. You can sign up for a little conversation with me right there on that webpage, and we can talk about whether this is a good fit for you. I'm not going to go into detail here because we have Tyra Dennis, also known as Tyra Lucia, and she has so much to say. She is the founder of Music Mayhem. It's a music production company, and she has been all over the LA scene. She has worked with Grammy winners, all these big names. She is also a worship leader, a song leader, and has had a big influence in that arena as well. And so this is going to be fun. I cannot wait for you to hear it. I'll talk to you later. Tyra, do you know Ruth? Oh, Hi. Nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. So welcome, Tyra. Yay. I'm here. You're in California. Is that right? I am. I'm in California. I'm based in Los Angeles. I'm currently in Glendale. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's really nice. How long have you lived in California? Majority of my life. I was born here. And at some point, I moved to Indianapolis, Indiana and did like a 13 original colony tour because my dad was a Marine. But we were moving. Uh, we came back. When my maternal grandmother passed, we just stayed. I went to college up north, came back, spent some time in Atlanta. Definitely came back. I learned that I am spoiled by the weather. I can only go for so long, like two weeks max. And even then, I'm trying to write home. So if it's too hot or too cold, you probably won't see me there too long. So where did the um, music come in the moving around? Okay, so my mom is cool. She brought me a really, at the time, I thought it was the best thing of all time. It was a Casio keyboard. It um, is the best to, thing of all time. Yeah, when you're like five, six, seven. Y'all, it was, there's a baby here and she has a keyboard. So it was something like that <laughs> keyboard. But it wasn't until I came back home to California where I really like started to do the thing for real. So did you get a degree in music? I no. did. I went to yeah. UC Davis. It's one of our University of California schools and learned very quickly what type of music I wanted to do and what type of music I never wanted to touch ever again. Like, What's the difference? 
I don't like music that sounds like what I describe as noise. And this is no shade to anyone who does this, but there are just certain styles of music that require a certain level of instrumentation. To me, it just sounds like having like boom whackers and finger symbols in a three-year-old classroom. It's just, it's a mess. <laughs> I also struggle with heavy, heavy metal. It's, even though the music itself doesn't always sound like noise, the vocals come in and it's like, what is this? Yeah. It must be mirroring someone's lived experience or they wouldn't keep making it. Yeah, that's what it's I was going to say. Not us. It, it is someone's experience. They teach you in radio that every song is on the radio because it's someone's favorite song. So yes, to your point, it's someone's jam. It's just not by jam. <laughs> so who are some of your favorite artists to listen to? Oh, I have a lot. I don't What's even. What's on your rotation right now? I don't even know. Okay, so I'll go with five. Spot of rap. rap. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, Tell yeah. us. So I learned something about myself. The most played artist that I had this year was Maverick City. To be fair, I am studying a couple of their songs for something coming up next summer. But also, I really do love their music. I think it's really, really good. So they're a gospel group, for those that don't know. And I love how they interpret scripture through their lyricism. And I love the melodic choices they choose to help interpret that scripture and give the listener an emotional experience. I also love the chord progressions that they do underneath that to build upon it. And they just sound amazing. Like they can sing and play. Like they're like creme de la creme. I also love this new artist. Can I just brag about her for five seconds? Yes. Yeah. There's an artist named Toby Nguigwe, and he has a wife that we call Fats. That's her name to the world. And they are a rap singing duo. And they do hip hop, right? But they incorporate a lot of their spiritual beliefs into their music. And they had a producer who was a woman and her name is Linnell Grant. And this woman is her own artist and she only does Christian music, but it's all rap and hip hop. And because she's such a quintessential musician, it is so incredible. Before her lyrics even get on the music, the music is so great. It's so great. And then she raps and then she's like on point theologically. Like, it's just, it's so good. And I'm like, gotta find this lady. I want us to be friends because I think the world of her, I don't know her personally, but what she creates, it seems like she's always pushing the limits. She's not afraid to push the envelope. And if it doesn't go the way she expects it to go, she bounces back and she pivots really well. So she was in my raps as well. So it was like Maverick City Music, Nell Grant. Who else was in my rap? Oh. You're the only person that didn't say Beyonce? Taylor I was going to say, Beyonce was definitely, she was in my okay. rap. Okay. Beyonce was in my rap. She's always in my rap. Yeah, of course. <laughs> She's there every year. And Rihanna was in my rap this year, which I thought was surprising because she hasn't dropped new music in a long time. I'm trying to think of my top five. Oh, Kirk Franklin was up there for sure. Oh, yeah. Good, Kirk was good up choice. there. I just love how he plays keys. I love to listen to all the little quirky things that he does. And he's a perfectionist. I'll embarrass myself for a second. I used to serve at a church that he also served at. And we decided to sing one of his songs. And I was in charge of the band. And for whatever reason, we sounded horrible. Like we could not play through this song. I knew my part and everyone else knew their part. But together, we sounded so bad that this man got up out of the audience, walked into the bandstand and was like, I got this. And then he started playing and leading the band. And then once oh. it was together, he got up and let me get back. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. An amazing story, though. If someone's going to oh. come up and give you some tips. It's the <laughs> composer. Right. Man, listen, it. Yeah, it was embarrassing, but I think that was the first time I understood 
what it meant to truly respect someone else's craft. You never want to make them get up out of their chair and say, girl, you are not. Let me help you. This is- How does one, like, you learn keyboard, but then being a worship leader is a whole other thing. Where's that transition? I don't know. I believe that everyone, as we grow, we just become a more enhanced version of what we already are. And I'll give you a personal example. So I grew up Baptist and Black Baptist churches really love to sing. Like they're going to, all the bells and whistles, the choir robes, it's a thing, right? And in most of the service, it's going to be full of music and like maybe like a 45 minute service. Like that's yeah. most of the mm-hmm. service. With and underscoring. So- Right? With the underscores. Yes, yeah. the underscore. So there's music mm-hmm. during the prayer, during the offering, during yeah. everything you can think of. There's all this music. And so at summer camp that my church put on, there was a particular year that all of my friends from the church went to the camp. And we had to put together pieces for a talent show. And I just remember making them into a choir and teaching them three-part harmony to certain songs. And I do remember being very particular about it. And of course, we did the talent show and it was great. Fast forward, those people, when I'm around them, they all say, we are not surprised at the life that you live because you were always doing that thing. Even when we were kids, you would just get people together. You're walking somewhere, you hear a part, you sing it, you say, sing the second part. Okay, let's do it together because you're constantly creating in your head. But I don't ever recall a moment, probably started singing and playing simultaneously around age 10. But in front of people, I didn't do that until high school. And it wasn't even worship. It was Alicia Keys' Fallen. I played Uh and sang that song for another talent show. And that's when I was like, oh, it was received. Let me keep going. And somehow it just turned into Jesus. Oh, here we are. Just turn it to Jesus. Yeah. And then, so how long have you been serving as a worship leader? Claire? I have to really think about it. I was in high school when I started on the worship team and leading and things like that, but I didn't take it serious. Yeah. College, the summer of 2006, is probably when I became a little bit more serious, but then still was like, eh. and around like the summer of 2008, I was like, oh no, this is a real thing. I was hired to lead the music of the liturgical arts department of a church. Still, same situation that Kirk Franklin was at. So it's that same community, um, which is how we even got to the Kirk Franklin station. Right. But yeah, so someone came in to do dramatic arts and they would write plays. And my job was to score them. And it was all worship music. And so that's when I said, oh, they can do this for real. I should stop playing games. I don't know. It just became a thing. It's Mm -hmm. definitely changed since I've started. But yeah, it's... I still do it. So I'm doing something right, I think. Is most of the music that you write for church or do you write music for other things too? It really does depend. I write music in general, but the music that I am most known for is Christian music or music with an undertone of Jesus. Sometimes I won't say Jesus, but you know that it's talking about Jesus or God, right? You can, you just know it is. Like you too? Yeah, something like that. Or like I have this record out with a friend of mine called Somewhere in My Mind, I Am Free. And nowhere in the chorus do we talk about God or Jesus. But in the lyric you listen, there are heavy references to God and Jesus and there's scripture in there. So it'll be something like that. Now, yes, you would have to know scripture to catch the references. 
that's the music that I'm more known for publicly behind the scenes. If someone's like, can you write me a love song about having my heart broken for this thing? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me see the thing. If it aligns with my values, I'll do it. If it doesn't, I'll send them on. To yeah. Taylor Swift. He's your backup for the breakup she is. song. She, she is like the perfect breakup song lady. Everyone should but, go to Taylor for breakup songs. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're writing music, do you like to collaborate with other people or do you do better writing yourself? This kind of goes into my creative process. Most of the time when I'm writing music, I don't decide to write the music. I actually uh-huh. decide to practice. And then all of a sudden I can hear some extra things. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Let me record that or let me play that really quickly or let me write the music out so I won't forget it and I'll come back to it later. I'll hear where a song could develop. And depending Mm -hmm. on what that sounds like, that's when I go and find a person like, oh, this sounds like a this person song. Let me collab with them. Or what do you think of this? And if they like it, would you like to join me on it? Or I hear your voice over this or I hear your violin over this. And then other times it's just me. That is so interesting. It sounds like the process itself takes you on a whole journey. It does. The journey is always unique. Each song has a life of its own. Sometimes the journey can be a little painful because sometimes you recall memories in your body that you may have suppressed for a while. Other times the journey can be confusing because Sometimes for me, I feel like I know exactly where I am in life and then this creation will come to be and it'll put a mirror in front of my face. Actually, you're not there, sis. You're here. And if you want to be there, I need you to listen to what you created to pull the steps out to get there. And so there's that piece. And then sometimes the journey is joyful. Sometimes the journey is a big, long cycle of grief. I think for three years straight, every song I wrote, was me crying, but I had like physically run out of tears. So it was my way of crying for all the lives of the people that I love that I had lost. It was 12 people from July 2018 to March 2019. Whether I became desensitized or I was just fed up with all the tears, I just stopped crying. But when I went to my instrument to do something simple like practice or worship, all of these songs would be created on the spot within minutes. So clearly the lament was there, but it just needed to come out a different way. So the journey is always unique for every creation. Yeah, But the journey, those deep emotions, it's like you could only speak music. Like English wasn't good enough. Yeah. And the tears weren't even good enough for that particular chapter. Yes. I remember a deacon... She showed up to my house and I was very disturbed that someone knocked on my door, like very angry. I guess that day I just did not want to be bothered. And I see her through the screen door and she says, I don't need anything from you but to open the door. And I trust her. So I let her in and I took a nap. By the time I woke up, my house was spotless. Um, Everything was clean. All my laundry was done. Multiple meals had been made for like weeks and frozen. And she was just sitting there reading a book in the living room. And when I woke up and realized what had happened, I finally cried and lost it. And she held me for a good 30, 45 minutes. And then she left and said, call me if you need me. So to your point, yeah, words were not good enough. The tears at some point just stopped until they finally erupted. After that, I went to therapy, which also brought more songs. Right. Lots of songs about boundaries. Oh, yes. The therapy LP. Available now. Yeah. What an amazing person to know, though, that she came and helped you like that in that moment. 
It's like the actual definition of a deacon, too. No, just like go me. up and do what needs done. Service. Finally, Here we someone's are. Someone's doing yeah, the thing. He is. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Talk about being called to reward and service. Yeah. yeah. She's just showing up. So I like to ask, too, just sort of the nuts and bolts of when you are working on your music. Do you have to have like certain circumstances? Do you like to work on it at a certain time of day or in a certain place or? just whenever it strikes you. Yes. I didn't realize this until you asked the question. I do have a particular process. No matter what the song is going to be, I always start on piano. Always. I play guitar and drums and some other stuff, but I always start the song on piano. And so the easiest place for me to do that is at home in a room I created just for that. It's my music stand, my keyboard, some speakers, a few other things. And I have to lock myself in because I have a puppy who thinks when I play piano, it's his solo time. He howls in key. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's impressive. But also, this is not your time to shine, sir. So I start there and try to complete the song, meaning I know all the chord changes. I know the structure of the song or I know all the lyrics. Like the whole song, I try to frame it. Once I frame it, I start to say, okay, do I need drums? Do I need violins? Do I need finger snaps? The song that I was talking about somewhere in my mind, me and Joe Davis did, I was relentless about these snaps in the song. And I said, it has to start with these snaps. If we don't have the snaps, I don't even care. And Joe is a rapper and a poet. And in his mind, he's like, I don't really want to do the snap thing because I'm a poet. I'm like, the snaps are not about that. It's because I don't want to bring in the snare so early on. I want it to build, but we need to keep the time and make it cool so we're going to snap. There's so many, lots of creative differences there, but it worked out. And so there does come a point where I will, in the process, choose the instrument or the sound to highlight and build everything around that sound. Most of the time, it isn't something like a snap. Most of the time, it is a background harmony in the vocals to give it texture. And if I do the harmony the way I hear it in my head and start to build it out, I'll know where the texture will land. Like, will it make them feel angry, sad, happy, whatever the case may be? Now, I can also tell you, like, what will happen to the rest of the song if we don't do that, if we don't focus on that piece. But it again, it really just depends. The bigger chunk of it, I go to a recording studio and I bring in all the pieces. And sometimes the pieces mean bringing in like musicians to do the part. So I can focus on the development of the production as a whole. I can. I choose not to play and produce, right? So there are many of my records where I have played keys or played an instrument and I'll keep parts of my keys in there or my instrumentation in there, but I'll bring in another musician to play on top of me to do something different so that I can hear it all the way around. Long answer to your question, starting at home with the keyboard, it does have to be very quiet. When I go to the studio, I actually have to do something mentally. So I can't listen to music. I actually don't even play the radio at all because hearing people talk, I'm one of those weird people that can hear the melody in people's voices oh. based on the tone of their voice. So it will actually make me forget the piece that I'm going to record. So it does have to be silent. And I've trained myself to tune out things like horns, honking if I'm driving, or the engine of a car, the AC, everything has a pitch. And if you hear it all at once, you can actually hear if it's clashing or if it's harmonizing women's heels in a shopping center, like all those things. So and not listen to the music yeah. before. But afterwards, I'm gonna play all the music so I can get the song I just created out of my head and let it live on its own. So that in two weeks when I come back to it, 
if I hear it again and I still feel the same way, then we've accomplished the goal. If I hear it and it's like, oh, what did we just make here? We have to go back to the drawing board. Wow. You do well speaking Chinese. It's all tonal. It is all tonal. So I was just telling this to another musician. He was asking me a question about how people are able to sing in so many languages. And he noticed that folks from non-Western cultures, right, do better at singing in different languages than others because of how they speak. So for me, when I was in college, I had to sing in seven languages. And I was telling him most Western cultures, and when I say Western cultures, I want to be very clear. It doesn't matter if they're white, Black, Asian, people in Western Europe, Australia, and in the United States and Canada specifically, we speak in something called absolute pitch. So this is the note. This is what it is. This is how we talk. Done. Whereas every other culture, they do something in pitch area. You hear them talk in a song. I don't want to try to imitate it because I don't want to offend. But I think of like Middle Eastern music, but they also talk like that too. So it just Ah. comes natural for them. And it's not as easy for us because that is not how we speak. But oftentimes we try to sing like that. It's a whole thing. And there's a science behind it. And it's not easy. Wow. And they are simplifying singing like us. They really are. If they need to sing in English, it's which is, easier. Yes, which is why if you go to Asia and you listen to like Korean and Chinese or Mandarin speaking folks sing American music, it's flawless. Yeah. I taught English in China and I was in this little group. So we would get on an elevator where we were living and there was an elevator attendant. And I was the only one who could say the floor well enough for him to press the right button. Yes. Because it's right. I did it like singing almost and nobody else could get to this floor without me. That's yeah. The, I mean, say it clearly enough. The best practice actually is musical theater because oftentimes yeah. you're not trying to be absolute. You're trying to sing in key and there mm-hmm. are notes that you're supposed to sing, but as a character. So right. if you think of, I don't know, Bushel and a Peck from Guys and Dolls, huh. Adelaide is, she doesn't have to sing it the way she sings it, but because she's this character and she has this New York accent, I love you, a Bushel and a Peck. And that's way closer to what other cultures do than I love you, a Bushel and a Peck, right? She's trying to be right. so absolute. Uh, so yeah, that, I see why you are successful because you have difficult theater back. Yes. And also that explains why it's so weird when like, a barbershop quartet sings I Love You a Bushel and a Peck. It's too perfect. It's and way takes too perfect. the life out of it. Yeah, I need the grit. I don't believe yeah. that you love me a bushel and a peck. Oh. I love it. So Tyra, one of the questions we always ask is, how do you see your creativity and your spirituality connect? Okay, so first things first, all gifts come from God. Second things second. I grew up Baptist. In the Baptist tradition, especially the African-American Baptist church, you always hear, or at least I always heard, about Satan being this chief musician in heaven. He then decided he wanted to be God, and God was like, you can't be me, bro, and picked him out, and it became this whole thing. This is like the myth. One of the most common places where you would reference that is in Ezekiel, like chapter 28. 12 or 23, something like that. I'm going to look that up at some point so I can correctly (laughs) say it. But when I think about that myth that was passed down to me, whether it's true or not, I stop and think about the musician's lights. Musicians are some of the most internally conflicted creatives. Actors have it. Visual artists have it. 
But musicians struggle so much, which leads me to believe that God really is in the spaces where musicians roam. Otherwise, Satan wouldn't try so hard to get them. But even in my own life, I have really struggled internally with my call as a musician whether it's in the church or in the secular world. And in fact, 50% of that struggle is, do I do the Jesus music or do I do earth music? The Jesus music isn't going to pay that much. The earth music can make me millions. And I'm really, really good at this. No, but I'm also really good at this. And then I become Jonah, right? And I always clearly hear God say, I called you to the church. Even when you were a little kid putting your friends together as a choir, you were always called to do this thing here you don't need this other side and yet and still you still try to go to the other side so let me just if you want to be in darkness cool let me just swallow you up in darkness and let you sit there for a while and think about what you did and when you're ready to come out and shine your light then i'll spit you up where you're supposed to be and so for me fast forward to the elca now i am a lutheran in the evangelical lutheran church in america and I absolutely love it and I wouldn't trade it because I love our theology and yeah, through grace, we are saved, like through grace and faith alone. Um, in case anyone was wondering, www.elca.org, shameless plug, <laughs> find you a church, maybe some Jesus. But when I think about my personal journey, there was a moment where I stopped doing it for the church. So around 2013, I was like, I'm just going to do secular music. And I got to do all the things, the Nicki Minaj's, the Ariana Grande's, the whole gamut of the things I got to do and hated life, became mm -hmm. suicidal. Fast forward, I get spit up in Nineveh, which is the ELCA, on accident. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even supposed to be a thing. One of the pastors was one of my music teachers in high school. He actually oh. gave me my first job playing keys for a children's choir at a Presbyterian church. And he said, hey. My friend, who was a pastor at this Lutheran church, needs help teaching his choir this song. So I go help, and it's fine. I go back on Sunday to see if they deliver. It was great. They delivered. It turned into coming the worship leader for this church, and then for regional events, and then for synodical events, and then it turned into gatherings on large scales. And in spaces where I thought I needed to be to make money, to survive, to reach the people. All of that happened times 10 in the church. So when I do music, I cannot do it without bringing God into the space because God is always there. Everything that I create, first of all, I always start with prayer, whether I'm doing it by myself or I'm collaborating. And then the second thing is every single thing that I create, I give it back to God because there's no way I could do it without God. All gifts come from God. And I have been blessed enough to understand the internal conflict. And I can't even believe I'm about to say this out loud, but like the more I do this work in the church, the less internal conflict that I have. Like, it, it's wild. If you are a believer of any sort, if you are tapped in to God, if you understand who God is, then you understand where you are called to be. We oftentimes say we don't know, but we do know. We just deny it because it's not where we think we should be. But if you just go where you're called to be, literally everything is resolved. The problems that I had then, I still have them, but they're so minuscule in comparison to what they were before because I don't have to worry about trying to rely on myself in my creative mm -hmm. process. I'll start, give it to God, and keep it pushing. And also, like, the other thing, too, is we're made in God's image. 
And God is the master creator. I just happen to have the percent of him that is song. Like, mm-hmm. I hit this itty bitty percent. I try to be extremely responsible with it and do it really, really well because God didn't have to give me that. He didn't have to get creativity. I could have gotten mathematics or, I don't know, something else running, which is not mm-hmm. creative to me at all. But I'm sure somewhere creativity lies within there. Yeah. And the last thing I would say is, Sometimes people are afraid to do what they love when it comes to music specifically and say out loud that they love God. And I always think about David in the Bible. David was many things, but David is the only person listed as a man after God's own heart, which says a lot about his own internal struggle and his own connection. And when David was lost and couldn't figure it out, he created a song. Or he danced or he just played his heart Uh and God will speak in that way. So you can do the thing out loud. If you just take the chance, you actually are rewarded more than you would ever be punished to say like, my name is Tyra. I love Jesus. And I also love this Beyonce record. And I'm going to fuse this hymn with the chorus from a Beyonce song. (laughs) It's totally fine. Or Taylor Swift. Or whoever. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you for that. You're, wow. You're welcome. It's one of the hardest things to talk about because it is an emotional journey. I've gotten to the place where I can talk about it without being super emotional, but then I just want to keep talking about it because the emotion right. that comes out is joy. It's, right. it's interesting you were doing sort of conventional music in LA and that seemed like a path to the big arena shows or however your music could reach a lot of people. And then once you're saying, I'm going to go the God track or God insisted on it, you ended up in big arena. The National Youth Gathering has more than 30,000 people at it. Let me tell you, every time I choose God, I end up doing something like that. And it took me years to understand it. My whole life, I've been trying to get into arenas. I used to dream dreams as a child and wake up and tell my mom, mom, I saw me on stage with band and I had all these skirts and had this really big afro, which if you knew me then, I was not about to wear an afro like it just was not cool i was into the twisties with the butterfly clips and mm-hmm. the hair falling mm-hmm. down yeah yeah just i just aged myself for all the people listening definitely i'm a, a millennial but i would tell her these dreams since i was like 10 years old up until i went to college and when she saw the photo one of these photos from the gathering in houston she called me and she was laughing and she said remember that dream that you kept saying you saw and blah 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 Yeah. And she described it flawlessly. She's like, I want you to look at the photo. And so she felt like I was getting, like God was showing me my future. The whole time I thought I was a Spice Girl. I was like, oh, I'm going to be in the Spice Girls. Yeah. Spice Girls. They have a lot of people, Mm -hmm. big hair. Like that sounds about right. Clearly I did not become a Spice Girl, but I did end up on those stages. And that opened so many other doors. It's a bizarre journey and I wouldn't change it. And you and I met in an arena. I never, let me tell you, this yeah, is how I met The first five minutes of our relationship. This is how I met Don. She gives me script and I was like, Because okay, I was cool. producing an event for the Lutheran Church. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So she's the producer and she's making sure everyone's on their P's and Q's, right? And I'm new to this <laughs> whole situation. Like I am the new kid at the school. And she gives me this script and she's like, let's open it up. Let's go through it. And we're standing, by the way. We like, call so it. Not- yeah, we call it yeah. a minute by minute. We don't yeah. even say script. We call yeah, it minute by minute. Yeah, it's a minute by minute. And the yeah. reason it's a minute by minute is because every minute counts because we can only be in the space for so long until they start charging sure. us overtime. So 
there will be something in the script that will say the speaker starts at seven on the dot, but then they have five minutes. So it's 7.05, transition, lights, all the pieces. And then I'll get to this section that matters to me where it's like band plays two songs. It'll say from this time to this time, but then it'll also say you have eight minutes and 12 seconds. It's something ridiculous like that. And you're like, yeah. Eight minutes and 12 seconds? Can it be eight minutes and 15 seconds? So you're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And Don is like, we love the Holy Spirit, but she has a time limit. And so do not yeah. let her play too long. You can't interrupt the Holy Spirit. She if you explain. need 15 extra seconds, the Holy Spirit needs to tell you at this moment. At this moment. I need yeah. to tell Don, okay, we need 15 so she can adjust. But I yeah. couldn't do it on the, From stage the stage. Because let me tell you, those lights were going to transition. Those friends were going to come yeah. up. We're yeah. calling the next cue. But that was such a helpful thing because I've seen that before in the secular side of things. I did not know the church did that. But if you think about events and things of that nature, I guess it doesn't matter the content. They all still function the same. But it's not my experience in the church. Again, the Baptist yeah. church with all of it the people and all the music, it will go for hours. They this is creativity within bounds, right? There's two things about it. One, if you have a hard stop, you are not a good steward of the people's money if you go over because the overtime is insane. Mm -hmm. If you're in a rented space, you're not in the church that you own. Second, if there is a hard stop, timekeeping is a matter of social justice. Like I literally will tell someone their time is cut. Their voice will not be heard because right. the song went too long. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. I have literally had to play people off. Yeah. To get them to stop talking so that the next thing can happen. Yeah. And I feel so bad, but I'm like, bro, stop talking. Yeah. Lots of yeah. speakers come in and think they're the only act. And we're like, yeah. nope. So we do, just for someone listening, we give people like two minute warning, one minute warning, 30 seconds. They are not oh. surprised. It's not like the Academy Awards and all of a sudden Tyra has interrupted them with her music. They know. Oh, it's there a type ship. There are moments where I wanted to interrupt a few people with my music. Yeah. They're like, listen, they're not looking at those cute cards. Time to wrap but, it up. But you're right. It is a social justice issue. And yeah. also, it makes it difficult for the person that comes behind you, regardless of what it is, to keep the audience's attention because you have talked or sang them to death. Right. Well, thank you for taking up more than eight minutes and 12 seconds in this podcast. Yes, this Thanks. is so great. This is oh great. I really appreciate this interview, Ruth and Don, because... It really allowed me to think about a few things that I have not thought about in a long time. Y'all are creatives, so I'm sure you can relate to this. You just wake up and live your life. But there are moments that I need to stop, step back, and think about that and the impact it has had on us. Because the impact it has on us also affects our impact we will have on those that are um, interfacing with our art. So I was really grateful for this. And we're grateful. Thank you. And thank you for listening today. If you haven't already, please follow us, rate and review the podcast. Also follow us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram. We're Created Creative Podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you again. And in the meantime, go create something.